The Once and Future Nerd Book One Princes of Jordan Chapter Three A Little Blood Episode Four Brennan dreamt of a cottage from his youth. He was chopping firewood with his battle axe, strangely enough, when two horses appeared on the horizon, one white and one black. One carried the wounded young girl who had become common in Brennan's dreams as of late, and the other carried the similarly ubiquitous demon. Strangely, the two were not locked in any kind of conflict. They simply rode together, and when they reached Brennan, the girl addressed him. There are seven things you must know to save me. The third thing is, the vessel must crack, but it shall not break. Brennan looked warily at the demon, but it sat calmly on its mount. Trouble coming. Brennan, wake up. Wake up. Wake up! Brennan groaned, and the Redmore soldiers standing over him quickly sheathed their knives. Regan, who had gone to some trouble merely to appear to be sleeping that night, closed her open eye. Mm. What is it? Bre- breakfast, General, if you'd like some. You need six men to wake me up for breakfast? You'll have to pardon my men. I've never seen a war hero in person before. Brennan was not without suspicions, but saw no reason to decline the offered meal. He did, however, watch them prepare it, and waited to eat until they did. General, can I have a word? You too, Miss Holy. His Majesty's business. Best discussed in private. Aye. He talk about His Majesty's business with your, ho- with your camp followers. No insult meant, Sergeant, but I'll decide with whom I discuss His Majesty's business. Dangerous times, General. Man can't help but be wary. Regan realized she would need to defuse the tension, or at least redirect it. You caught us. We were gonna fuck. I was trying to be polite about it. She could not help but take some joy in the profound discomfort she read on the faces of Brennan, Nia, and the soldiers. His Majesty's business is what the General calls his axe. He likes the handle right up the old stink hole. Yes, sir, nothing like biscuits and buggery to start the day off right. That's what he always says, don't you, General? Brennan was too mortified to speak. So please, a bit of privacy. Regan leaned close to Brennan's ear, as though to whisper a lover's secret. I know you can hear me, Elf. So listen up and don't take your eyes off those motherfuckers. Yiluin's hand covertly crept a little closer to his knife, and Regan pulled Brennan and Nia behind some rocks. You dare mock me Those men were ready to stab you right before you woke up. I heard the phrases, fat reward and kill on sight leave no witnesses. You know what that's about? Were you planning to inform us of their plans before they succeeded? I was waiting for the best tactical moment. You mean you were waiting to see if you'd be better off letting them kill me and escaping while they did. Well, I never accused you of being stupid. At around the same time, King Gunther Guernatal was addressing his court in light of 
Good news he had gotten from Ardell Redmore about an alliance with House Mooncrest. Let us take a moment to congratulate Maid Redmore on her betrothal and to praise Lord Redmore for his foresight. Arlene faked a smile as her brother beamed. This is a time to forge alliances, not fan the flames of war. Especially if House Ironhurts falls to draft, as it sadly seems it will. This is a lesson that Leif Felgear will soon learn to his woe. A Mooncrest man in place, Lord Redmore. Our enemies will be crushed, your grace. In the cave, Brennan, Nia, and Regan had rejoined Yellowine and the Redmore soldiers by the fire. As they ate, they all did their best to conceal their mutual distrust. Fine biscuits. Nia reached for another biscuit a bit too quickly, and everyone jumped, but caught themselves. They then pretended that had not just happened. Several yards away, one more Redmore soldier supervised the three young humans. Nia carefully monitored this situation out of the corner of her eye, as Nelson clumsily practiced with his sword. Nelson, can you maybe do that a little further away from us? Oh, sorry. Stay here and put the sword down. Why has he got to stay here? Because I said so. Nelson stuck the sword in his belt. You ain't got a scabbard. I... I dropped it. Put him, brass. Your swords ain't even been blotted, have they? Oh, yeah? Well, blood is like fucking because when I had sex with your mom and I'll stab you. <laughs> Try it. In the main hall of Castle Guernatal, Ardell Redmore furtively signaled the court treasurer. With a final wipe of his sweating brow, the man stood and cleared his throat. I wonder if we could have a report on what your grace has been doing to protect us from our foes, if it please. Has that not been the subject of the last hour's discussion? We've heard quite a bit about what your grace's bannermen have been doing, but disturbingly little about what House Guernatal has been doing. You would be well advised to mind your tone, my lord. Where has General Brennan been for the past fortnight? Have you forgotten your oaths? Have you forgotten yours? I could call your words seditious and no one who heard them would disagree. Explain yourself or face the consequences. Let it not be said that I did not give your grace a chance to confess your crimes. Crimes? How dare you? Gods! Gods! Despite Gunther's bellowing, not a single Guernatal man came forwards. Instead, after a moment had passed, two guards in Redmore colors approached the bewildered king. Where in Selberin are my men? It's all right, your grace. Guards, arrest the Lord Treasurer. Not until I've had my say. Shortly after news of the war came, Lord Gwenatal asked me to arrange the transfer of our talisman of dominion to House Felgear. Talismans of Dominion will be explained in depth later on in our tale, but for now, suffice it to say that this lie, believed wholeheartedly by the court, was considered deeply disturbing. 
Arlene Redmore looked more disturbed than most, however, although her disgust was directed at her brother rather than at the king. That is a bald-faced lie, and you will hang for it. This is a most grievous accusation, my lord. Have you any evidence? Of course not! He ordered me to burn all the correspondence. If this is true, then why did you wait to come forward? Like all of you, I had hoped to give the king the benefit of the doubt that there was some reason. But as time passed, I could no longer deceive myself. I'm afraid that there have been troubling Selberic portents as well. What portents? Many of the servile classes, as of late, have come to me with dreams. Suddenly, Arlene recalled the fabricated dream that Gwen had been made to describe, and with a sickening shock, realized its import. She sat up straight and took a breath as though to speak. Her brother caught her eye. She trembled under his menacing gaze. She found herself wondering, why, oh why, did his majesty's guards not come? Her handmaiden, Gwen, had just discovered the grisly answer to that question. At the sight of dozens of throat-cut Guernatal soldiers, dead and bloody in their bunks, she vomited on the floor of the barracks. She was once again forced to flee when she heard frantic chatter heading her way. I wish I could ignore what the sum of these dreams seems to suggest, but I must acknowledge the possibility that the king is a traitor! There were cries and gasps in the hall. The king stood furious, but Redmore's men detained him. Arlene knew this was her chance. She dug down into her heart, searching for her courage. If you've ever had a nightmare where you could save yourself from danger by screaming, but somehow could not find the breath, well, so had Arlene Redmore. She tried once more to speak, but any flickers of courage were snuffed out in the shadow of her brother's malicious eyes. She sank back into her chair, trembling and defeated, as Ardell snickered and turned his gaze towards the court philosopher. This unfortunate man kissed his young daughter, swallowed his pride, and stood to speak. <clears throat> Circumstances seem dire, my lords, but perhaps some good can come of them. I think it fair to say there is sufficient reason to appoint a Lord Regent while we investigate any possible wrongdoing by His Majesty. To Arlene's despair, there was a noticeable murmur of approval. Furthermore, if the Regent were powerful enough, we might regain the protection of the Tarlow Hill. Lord Redmore has served this kingdom well and showed great foresight in joining his house with that of Mooncrest. With the army of Marcus Mooncrest 
and this stronghold on his side, he might just be recognized. Please, my lord, I could not dream of such a responsibility. Bitter tears wet Arlene's cheeks. They were tears of helplessness, of a life lived in pain and fear, of the belief that she would never find the strength to do anything good for the world. Now, it is said by some that only simple minds get bored. I don't suppose that's true in all cases, but back in the cave, Billy was indeed quite bored. Well, this is boring as fuck. Jen, snap me that rock. Nelson, go long. Uh, this setting seems better suited to riddles than football. Just shut up and catch. Jen bent over in front of the stone. I'm told that this dance was a reasonable imitation of the Pennsylvanian game called football. Billy, just so you know, this rock is a lot heavier than a football. Whatever. I'm the quarterback. I'll adjust. Kind of slimy, too. Okay. You don't know how to do this. Nelson, come back. Play center. Jen, go catch. Now Nelson bent in front of the stone as Jen shook her head and ran away. What the fuck are you doing? Hike! Nelson threw the stone to Billy backwards between his legs. <gasps> Billy pretended to hand the stone to... no one, for some reason, then wound his arm back and snapped it towards where Jen... Shit. It slipped out of his hand and smashed the Redmore soldier in the face. Ah, you shit! Seeing their comrade bleeding, the other Redmore soldiers jumped up and drew their weapons, but not as fast as Regan. She kicked embers from the campfire into their eyes. She, Brennan, and Yiluin made short work of the blinded ruffians. But the one Billy had hit was still standing and charged at the boy. Blitz! Blitz! Nelson, block! Nelson tried to stop the sprinting soldier, but was knocked right over. He did, however, manage to hold onto his legs. When Billy tried to tackle him, the two boys were somehow able to trip the bigger man. The soldier fell on top of Nelson. He tried to rise, but soon noticed the blade of Nelson's still unsheathed sword protruding from his gut. Brennan ran over and pulled the screaming, bleeding man off of Nelson. Why did you want to kill us? Answer me in the name of the king! Fuck your king! He'll fall! Without another word, the soldier's eyes went dark. Billy and Nelson both stared in silence at the blood covering Nelson and his weapon. They both looked ill as Nia mentally searched her extensive knowledge of scripture for some useful words of comfort. A little blood never hurt anybody, right? At this, the boys vomited. <coughs> Jen and Nia tried to comfort them. Unfortunately, Brennan knew there was little time for comfort. We need to split up. I fear some of Hus Redmore's soldiers may be in mutiny. I need to get back to my men and his majesty. Arona, you know your way through to the other side of these caverns. Yeah? We need to get out past the encampment and make haste to Castle Guernador. Sorry, but what if your king does fall? I take it we won't be very welcome there. If the throne is usurped, you and I want to be welcome anywhere. We must try to stop it. What about us? Is there anywhere back in the city that they can wait safely for a few days? I know some places where people won't ask questions. That will have to do. Tell the Kaltir who to get there. 
Everyone else, gather your things. We must leave for Castle Gwernethal as soon as we can. Unfortunately for Brennan, as he made these very plans, Redmore's men were donning Gwernethal uniforms and setting up patrols on all major roads to the castle. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira, and directed and edited by Christian Madeira. It is performed by Garrett Armin, Dan Dobransky, Hayes Dunlop, Anya Gibeon, Ian Harkins, Emily Cook, Paul Notice, Frank Querez, and Julie Reed. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Production sound engineering is done by Gary O'Keefe, with dialogue editing, post-production mixing, and sound design by Sandra Ramirez. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading. <laughs>